I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. We are special breakfast people here at Pantsu Politics, but not just when Beth and I are on the road. The truth is I want something warm from the oven every Saturday morning and Sunday morning. It's just the truth. It makes it feel special, makes it feel exciting. I don't want to work at it. So the first time I ever saw Wild Grain, which is bake from frozen subscription box for sourdough breads, fresh pastas, and artisanal pastries, I was obsessed. You guys, I've been a member for over a year. It's amazing. It's so easy. Every item bakes from frozen in 25 minutes or less, no thawing required. You can fully customize your wild grain box. You can choose any combination of breads, pastas, pastries. You can even build a box of only breads, only pastas, or only pastries if you'd like. And for a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box, plus free croissants in every box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit to start your subscription. Sometimes I make one single croissant just for me because I want to feel special and they're so good. You heard me. Free croissants in every box. And $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. That's wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. Or you can use promo code pantsuit at checkout. It's beginning to look a lot like trade wars. We discuss the week's news and listener feedback in today's episode. This is Sarah from the left. And Beth from the right. You're listening to Pantsuit Politics. No shouting, no insults, plenty of nuance. Welcome, everyone, to Pantsuit Politics. It sounds different because we are in the same space. Welcome to my closet, Sarah. I'm so excited to be here, Beth. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Um, The good news is we're in the same room. As I said on Twitter, um, we've been Instagramming live a lot while we've been together. And so on Instagram, I said, the good news is that we're in the same room. The bad news is our kids are on the other side of the wall. So you could hear that. You could hear some screaming. There could be some disruptions. It's going to add a little um, audio texture to today's episode. So I think it's going to be fine. That's right. Sarah and her kids are visiting us during spring break. My husband is in Texas, so it was great timing for us to just have moms and kids. We have lots of plans, including podcasting, and there is plenty to talk about. We've done Mm -hmm. our best to keep up with the news while corralling the the masses here. Mm -hmm. So we thought that we would talk a little bit about what's going on with trade right now. The president's desire to use the National Guard at the border, some of the news coming out of the cabinet, and then we will get into some pretty intense listener feedback that we thought was a helpful jumping off point for more discussion. I want to tell you also that we will have a complete and characteristically nerdy update on the Mueller investigation (laughs) from me on Tuesday. There have been lots of documents filed, lots of news coming out, but the news is just picking up little threads, and we want to put the entire thing in context. So we'll do that on Tuesday. So China has now hit back to our hit back. How many hit backs do we have now? Is this four? We started it, then they did it, then we did another one, then they did another one. Here's what I know. When tit for tat 
is one of the phrases that is making all the headlines. Things have gone wrong. Well, China really brought in the big guns with this last one and said, "Okay, we're going to put tariffs on soybeans and airplanes, which is like the two things everyone mentions up to this point. Well, they haven't they haven't done anything on soybeans or airplanes. They haven't done anything on soybeans or airplanes. But then they're like, you know what? We're going to do soybeans and airplanes. And now all of a sudden I just read the White House is like, oh, well, this is all discussion. None of this could come to fruition because everybody was freaking out and saying the market was going to tank. Politico had a really nice observation they shared from someone on Twitter, which was Donald Trump doesn't have anything on his schedule for today, which is Thursday, which means he'll just be watching all the news coverage of all the the market instability and everybody's so upset about all this this economic trade discussion. So I thought that was um, interesting. And I think it didn't take long for him to, them to come out and say, oh, well, we might not do any of this. So here's what The New York Times said. Led by more audacious leaders than either country has had in decades, China and the United States are now locked in a perilous game of chicken with the possibility to derail the global economic recovery, disrupt international supply chains, and destabilize the huge yet debt-laden Chinese economy. I just don't know that I want to be in a global game of chicken. Yeah, I don't want to. I know I don't want to. Doesn't this seem like a silly way to run the world on both countries' parts? I understand how frustrating it must be to interact with the United States right now. I also understand that China is annoying globally, <laughs> right? And and they do a lot of heads we win, tails you lose. I mm-hmm. mean, China is is a bad actor in trade sometimes. Right. The president garnered a lot of support in the United States by focusing on China as a bad economic actor throughout the campaign. And there are aspects of that that aren't wrong. But this seems like such a high stakes, zero sum, shoot first, ask questions later approach to dealing with those issues. And I just don't know what good comes of it. It just seems like With everything, we live in a highly complex world and a highly complex country. And what this is really about is that he he is perceived as following through with his campaign promises. So he just, it's, again, I feel like we quote Jeb, you know, a couple of times a month, but he's a chaos candidate and it's a chaos presidency. And so this this chaos approach to trade is making everybody nervous and rightly so. I think what this is really going to force is how much congressional Republicans are willing to take. Mm -hmm. Because going into midterm elections, what most Republicans in Congress don't want are farmers going out of business. It is a really hard time for agriculture right now on so many fronts. In Kentucky, this has been very personal for me, in Kentucky, Lots of dairy farmers a couple of weeks ago received letters that their milk would no longer be picked up and purchased by the distributors that they've been working with. And that's a really big deal. If you're milking cows, they have to be milked twice a day no matter what. And suddenly no one's going to come pick up your milk. Mm -hmm. Then you've got to start dumping the milk. I mean, it's awful. It is awful. And this kind of thing is happening all over the United States. And if you are seeing tariffs going up on the main crops that we export, I don't know how people are going to do it. And I think that this is going to bite into so 
much of their rhetoric on the tax reform and how it's so good for the economy and they're the party that cares for the economy. Like, honestly, I think the tax plan as a as a reelection midterm strategy was bad to begin with because it's just not something that stays with people. Any last remaining hope they had of using that, I think, is going to be gone in the face of stuff like this. No one's going to listen to the tax reform was really great for everybody if they're struggling in the face of an increasing trade war with China. Sorry. Well, we'll continue to watch this. It's unclear, I think, exactly where the administration's policy will be, even by the time this episode releases. And again, I want to say it's not that I think President Trump is wrong on all of these issues. The approach concerns me. And it concerns me because I do feel strongly that trade agreements are helpful to global peace. Like, I think that economic relationships help us avoid some political conflict that we might have otherwise. Have we taken that too far sometimes? Probably. Have we negotiated over things that really aren't any of our business? Certainly. But sitting down with everyone and coming to those conclusions, I still think there's so much value in that beyond just the deal of it. And I hope that there are folks in the administration who can persuade the president that that's the case. The other issue that president has been, I don't know, blowing up. That seems like an appropriate use of the term. Was his immigration policy, particularly with regards to the border, based in part, as far as I can tell, on some pretty irresponsible coverage from the right wing media regarding, quote unquote, caravans. (laughs) I don't know where to start with this discussion because It's so frustrating to read reports that indicate pretty clearly that the president just doesn't understand how DACA works. (laughs) And I'm not trying to be mean. It's just frustrating. You know, it's frustrating for him to be tweeting about people trying to get in the country to take advantage of DACA when DACA only applied to people within a limited time frame. I don't know how to have a serious and respectful discussion when that's what's coming out of the White House. What are we talking about that's coming out of the White House? Because they'll literally send out a spokesperson that says one thing, and then seconds later, he'll tweet something completely opposed to what they just said. Again, chaos. What is most concerning to me is the increasing hot language Mm. about immigrants coming into this country as horrible people. Yeah. And the desire to use military force to combat that problem. Which is not only immoral, but a waste of resources. A huge waste of resources. We've been talking, especially on Patreon, about the militarization of police and using that kind of force and power against American citizens. And while I understand that people coming across the border are not American citizens, and I understand that we need a border And we need rules and we don't need to just have people coming in daily without any vetting process or any structure around it. I am concerned about bringing weapons into that equation in a bigger way and what terrible tragedies could unfold that affect people on both sides of the border. Mm -hmm. I'm also concerned by the, the desire to scale back asylum laws and the ways in which people can come here because they're under threat in their own country. I just, I understand that that is not without risk, but my values as an American mean that I want this country to be a place for people to come who have nowhere else to go. I just do. 
I just, I don't know how to say that any other way. You know, as I've said on this podcast before, the beauty of America is not that it's a nationality, but that it's an identity available to anyone. And that includes people with different color skin. That includes poor people. That includes people, refugees with nowhere else to go. And the idea that we would guard our border as if it's some sort of medieval castle and paint people who in desperation have picked, lost everything and have nowhere else to go. I mean, I know this is a hot button issue. I know people feel passionately differently than I do. And I don't know how to move this conversation forward. And I don't think bringing the National Guard down and stoking people's fears by talking about caravans of people trying to just pouring into the border, which was not in any way, shape or form what was going on, is helping at all. Well, I think one way possibly to move the conversation forward is to stop making it about are immigrants good or bad Mm -hmm. and more about what structure can we all agree on is an appropriate way to deal with this issue. I thought John Oliver had an excellent and well-reported segment on immigration courts a week or so ago, and he showed how broken our system is. The wait to get into immigration court in Chicago, for example, I think it was something like five years. Oh, my goodness. So whether you think we should have more or less immigration in terms of volume, I think there is a ton to agree on about how difficult the system is today, how many aspects of the system today don't work. If we want to spend more funding combating our immigration problems, a great place to start would be funding those immigration courts properly. We need more judges. I'm sure we need more staff. There are many opportunities to enforce our existing laws, which is a talking point that I think everyone can get some consensus Mm -hmm. around. We don't have to fight each other about this. We can spend more resources dealing with immigration within our existing framework. I just worry that we're we're escalating this conflict among Americans to a point where everybody's going to be so hot about it. Mm -hmm. And we're sending in people who are trained to deal with enemies of the United States, not just non-citizens who would like to be here. And I'm worried about having a situation in our hands that is very tragic when we could address the concerns of the people who voted for the president in meaningful ways that don't involve that kind of power and force. Here's something I'd like to not use resources on. Psychic, time, money. Scott Pruitt. I don't want to talk about this dude anymore. I don't want to think about this dude anymore. I would like for him to resign so we can all move on with our lives. That's where I'm at with Scott Pruitt. It's not helpful that some of the ethics commentary on Scott Pruitt jumped the gun. Apparently, a report was submitted about his leasing situation without having reviewed the lease. That makes it incredibly difficult to move anything forward. Mm -hmm. There are still bananas details about Scott Pruitt. And I thought that... Why was he unconscious? Why? Why was he unconscious? I thought Politico's observation in the playbook on Thursday morning was hilarious because they were talking about the defense of Scott Pruitt from Republicans is that he has very effectively rolled back a number of EPA regulations. And Politico wrote, duh, any Republican EPA administrator has the same power. He is not uniquely qualified to do that work. And so... 
The president could have similar results without defending this individual who seems to, in the most generous interpretation, create unhelpful headlines. I keep thinking about all these guys. There's even reporting that Rex Tillerson had this multi-million dollar consulting deal to change the structure of the State Department. Some of these consultants were making $300 an hour. And I guess, you know, there's a part of me that is still shocked by the disregard. Let's just in the best possible interpretation assume that no one was misappropriating or abusing government funds, which I think is highly unlikely. But let's just assume, for argument's sake, that that's what's happening. That there still wasn't even, seems to be, any conversation or discussion about, hey, make sure nothing looks awry. Hey, all these cabinet people, although heads up to Lane Chow, hadn't heard anything coming up from her office. Not surprised, having met her. Just throwing that out there. No discussion of, people are watching, be careful. But then, at the same time, I'm surprised, and at the same time, I'm like, well, it's Donald Trump's cabinet. Why would they? I mean, he gets to do whatever he wants. He gets to bust whatever norms. He gets to not release his tax returns and go to Mar-a-Lago every weekend and have the Secret Service pay him for golf carts. So, why not? Why not? Everything, let's just, you know, let's just go for it. I don't have a strong reaction to the story about Rex Tillerson. I think it was unwise to waltz in and dismantle the State Department in a very active way, Mm -hmm. right? I think a more prudent course of action would have been to staff it up normally, learn some things, see how it goes, and then start making changes. Mm -hmm. I don't doubt for a second that there are changes that need to be made. Every organization needs change over time, needs to evolve. Honestly, I think every organization needs consultants at different points. It is very valuable to have an outside perspective come in. I understand that people were probably rolling their eyes like crazy in meetings with consultants asking them questions. That is a necessary and healthy process sometimes. I think the mistake by Rex Tillerson was coming in guns blazing to do it. Instead of getting acclimated, learning the culture, feeling out what works and what doesn't work, and then starting to make these changes. But the reporting doesn't look good. And I think that the main problem with all this reporting is the volume. Mm-hmm. It is that it's not it's not just the dining room table at HUD. It's not just Scott Pruitt being unresponsive mm-hmm. in a condo leased from lobbyists. It's not just $12 million on consultants at the State Department. And don't forget, we've already lost a Health and Human Services Secretary because of this kind of stuff. It's the volume. That's, that's the problem, right? Mm-hmm. So we also have a few short things we wanted to mention coming out from Silicon Valley. New reporting, I think this is self-reporting from Facebook, says that the number of users' data that was misused by Cambridge Analytica was 86 million, not 50 million. I also read a really interesting report on the on, on some a white paper that some data scientists did on the use of Facebook by the Trump campaign and the Hillary campaign, which was really interesting that they spent a lot of money, but that the Trump campaign basically used Facebook more effectively. They were asking for things as opposed to just trying to perpetuate positive perspectives on their candidate, which I thought was very interesting. And then, of course, we have a shooting at YouTube headquarters. Here is one of the most fascinating parts of the reporting on this for me. It started for this is a female shooter, which is very, very unusual. Very unusual. The initial reporting was, of course, that she was after a boyfriend, which was clearly not the case. This woman was mad at YouTube. But I thought it was so fascinating that one of the, some of the early reports was that she was going after a boyfriend. Not that that doesn't happen a lot with male active shooters, that they assume it's a relationship at first, although I think that's 
that's less and less likely, or the reporting anyway. But we don't know a ton about this yet, but I think it will be interesting to see in the coming days how YouTube reacts. And I think that YouTube took too long to respond to the misuse of their platform. And then in an effort to respond, I'm not saying they overreacted, but they took strong measures because they didn't take any measures for too long. And she, according to the reporting, was upset at some of these measures. And I wonder how that, what, in what way will they react? Will they react by saying, we push too far too fast, we just need increased security? I, I think it'll be very interesting to see in the coming days how YouTube reacts. I'm so sorry that this happened mm-hmm. because whatever is going on in Silicon Valley, the answer is not for somebody to bring a gun into a Seriously. workplace. And I'm so sorry that it happened. And another thing that I think we don't talk about enough, there's a reason that police assume domestic violence is the cause right out of the gate. It's because domestic violence is so prevalent in the mm-hmm. United States and it's a massive problem. And it's among a, active shooters. It's a public health <laughs> epidemic mm-hmm. that doesn't get enough attention. So even though it appears not to have been the issue here, it's a reminder that it comes up as the hypothesis for a reason. And it's something that we should be talking and doing more about. Just finished A Court of Thorns and Roses and craving another fantasy world to devour? Dipsy's got you. Dive into spicy enemies to lovers' tales or embark on an epic romance between immortal fae and sworn foes. They've got fantasy romance stories perfect for your morning walk, late night, or long bath. Dipsy is an app full of short, spicy audio stories. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. Discover stories about second chance romances, adventurous vacation flings, and hot and heavy hookups. And there's a growing library of fantasy series with werewolves, Greek gods and goddesses, Regency era historical fiction, and fairy smut to explore the bounds of your pleasure. New content is released every week. So in between listening to your favorite stories again and again, you can always find something new to explore. For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash pantsuit. Dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. If you're looking for a very quick salon quality but not salon priced manicure, Olive and June has you covered. We've talked about Olive and June's Manny system before. It has everything that you need for a professional manicure in one box, salon grade tools, your choice of six polishes. Those polishes are gonna last you for seven days or more. The cost breaks down to about $2 a manicure. Olive and June also has press-ons if you want. What I love though, is that Olive and June each season is coming out with new colors. And I just got a set of spring and summer colors in quick dry polish. And they say this dries in about a minute. It seemed dry to me in about 30 seconds. It was not kidding about being quick dry. I also love the light colors in this set. There is a huge range. My favorite one is called Kitten. It's like a pinkish gray. The quick dry polish gives you full coverage in one or two coats. It lasts for more than five days and it is offered in more than 40 cruelty-free and vegan polishes. Olive and June just understands what's happening in our lives, that we need to move quickly, but we want to look great and feel great and have fun in the process. Visit oliveandjune.com slash pantsuit for 20% off your first system. That's O-L-I-V-E-A-N-D-J-U-N-E dot com slash P-A-N-T-S-U-I-T for 20% off your first Manny system. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Can I get something off my chest? Every day I feel a little pang of sadness. Because I think about Griffin going away to college. Y'all, he's a freshman in high school. 
This is not healthy or normal. This is why I have it on my list of things to talk to my therapist about. We all carry around these things, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us. Therapy is a safe space to get these things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. You gotta get it off your chest. And you can get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash pantsuit today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash pantsuit. So we had some really awesome feedback from a lot of you about our conversation about treating others with respect. One thing I wanted to talk about first is that a lot of people wrote us and said, should I be polite? Like, what's the why should I be too polite to someone who wants to remove someone else's humanity? Jay wrote us when Beth sort of clarified her comments about gay marriage and that she didn't want to equate being against same marriage as being a Nazi. And he said, I guess I don't completely get why the position against gay marriage is fundamentally different from other discriminatory beliefs. Sincerely held beliefs were mentioned. Is that the key? And and we also got another listener who said, like, if someone else is trying to other and remove the humanity, like, why should we be polite to them? Why should we be nice? And I think for me, what's really important is that, and I'm not saying it's easy or it's It's a very difficult task, but I don't want to dehumanize someone because they've dehumanized, because that seems like a vicious cycle that we can't get out of. Like, I don't want to say, well, you've done something that I feel is horrendous that removes somebody's other, another person's humanity. And therefore, as a result, now I'm going to talk about you as a Nazi, which for better, for worse, I think means not human in our current lexicon or human garbage, or undeserving of basic human dignity. I mean, the ethical exercise of giving humanity and dignity to our fellow beings on this planet is not always going to be easy. Sometimes we will have to give grace and humanity and even kindness to people that arguably do not deserve it. But that's not, that's the point You don't earn it and you don't lose it. You have it because you are here and it cannot be removed. That's my personal ethics. Now, that doesn't mean being, like I said, you don't have to, justice is still available. It doesn't mean being, quote unquote, polite. It just means I'm not going to talk about them as less than human. And I think Beth, I'm speaking for you right now, as far as the guards to Nazi, like it just, when you talk about Nazis, you you tiptoe up to that line. And it's hard. It's a hard line to walk because you want to give proper weight, moral, ethical weight to the damage that some of these groups and beliefs can do. Of course we do. But you don't have to dehumanize someone in order to do that. At least I don't think so. I think some of this gets to language and perspective and culture, too, because Mm -hmm. so I live in a place that talks a lot about being Midwestern nice. And when we talk about being Midwestern nice, often we mean avoiding talking about anything difficult, avoiding talking about anything that we disagree on. 
being polite in the most passive-aggressive way, where you know that this conflict exists between you, but you will not mention it for the sake of having a smooth day. Mm. That is not what we're talking about. I think there is a world of difference between being nice and being gracious. Because you can be gracious to someone and vigorously disagree with them. Mm -hmm. You can be gracious to someone and say, I understand that you're operating on what you know right now, and that's not good enough. And I want to push you on that. And I want you to think about it. You can be gracious and hold people accountable. We're going to have David Singleton from the Ohio Justice and Policy Center on the podcast soon. And the Justice and Policy Center stands for Fair, Intelligent, Redemptive Justice. Justice is still in there. We're being gracious to people. We're treating them as humans. There is still accountability. So I think that's what we're talking about. It's difficult for me to properly express what I mean. And I think that because Sarah and I have a style that doesn't feel confrontational in the range of what has come to be um, our political discourse People often think we mean, well, let's not make it feel tense. Mm -hmm. But the truth is we have conversations that feel tense to us a lot because we know that we're holding tension between us on what the right outcome would be or what the most desirable outcome would be. The reason it doesn't sound confrontational is because we are prioritizing our relationship and we are prioritizing being gracious with each other. And that's what we want to continue to do. And sometimes, as the conversation that started Jay's feedback indicates, we aren't going to have those conversations because there are topics where we disagree so strongly that we don't want to give a voice to the other perspective. But those are by far the exception and not the rule. And in the process of drawing those lines, we still don't want to talk about anyone as less than human. Lisa Rodison had a really awesome observation about this discussion about another person's humanity. She says, while we can treat people in a way that doesn't accord them that respect and can absolutely harm them, nothing we do fundamentally alters their underlying humanity. Actually taking away another person's intrinsic human dignity is beyond our power. What we can do is give away our own dignity. The reason to treat all other humans with respect and a sense of their human value isn't ultimately because they deserve it, although they do, but because when you fail to do so, you are reducing your own dignity and value. It is much like forgiveness. The true power in forgiving another isn't in the benefit you bestow upon them, but in the freedom from pain that you give yourself. And so that's what it's about for me. Like, I think she nails it. Like, I'm just not going to do it. Like, I, when I think about Nazis, for me personally, in my personal ethical universe. Like, when I think back to that time, it's not, it's about how how would I have been complicit? How do I not become part of the problem? Not because I think I'm going to sign up to be a Nazi, but because I don't want to even be the person who looks the other way. I don't want to be the person who makes it okay in a safe way to other. And to me, the first step in that process, the first step in becoming comfortable with the atrocities of the Holocaust or genocide or even discrimination and persecution and cruelty to other human beings is taking that first step in othering. And of course, the first step is not, it's not always going to feel like, you know, it's like, I think it's just this sort of drip, drip, drip. If it's okay to other Donald Trump, then it's okay to other his supporters. And if it's okay to other his supporters, then it's okay to other someone who says something that sort of sounds like his supporters. Or it's, and if, if it's his supporters are just undeserving of basic human dignity, 
then what does that mean we could do to them? What laws could we pass? Could we cordon them off? Could we, I mean, I just, to me that that's just the, that's just the first step and I don't want to take it. And I have to hold the line because to me, when you step over that line, the options of cruelty and injustice available to you widen precipitously. And I just don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. We had a discussion this morning about how it frustrates some listeners that we don't equate or compare President Trump's behavior to Hillary Clinton or Hillary and Bill Clinton. I will readily admit that we are very hard on President Trump in our conversations. He is the president. I think it is important to look, I mean, we have a political podcast. We're going to discuss the president's behavior. Sarah and I have talked many times about our desire to age as gracefully as possible, and skincare is a huge piece of that. I spend a lot of time and money thinking about my skin, and I have added Ritual to my routine, which just gives me a lot of comfort. Ritual is here for us. They have created a wrinkle support skin supplement and conducted clinical studies, so we know it's working. They're taking the guesswork out of skincare. Ritual Hyacera is one of several Ritual products that I love. I take the daily multivitamin, I take a probiotic, and Hyacera is that once daily skincare supplement that is clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. I recently met a friend for the first time in person as opposed to online. And we were discussing the fact that I am 43 and she said, I cannot believe how young you look. And I thought, thank you, Ritual, for that. Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash pantsuit. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash pantsuit for 25% off. Do you want a bra that's sexy or a bra that's comfortable? Thanks to Third Love, you can have both. Third Love was started to take all the frustration, ick, and ugh out of bra shopping. That's why they make solutions for every bra problem, aka problems. Their bras make it easy to bring back perkiness you haven't seen since high school, get smoothing you know where, and have straps that actually stay put. Designed at their headquarters in San Francisco and made from premium materials, they put every style through hours of wear testing on real women, including themselves, before it's given the stamp of boob approval. Comfort and support are guaranteed. Plus, whether you're a double A cup or an H cup, their virtual fitting room will help you find your perfect fit fast. And they've even invented half cups. No more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit right. It's time to get your problems solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get 15% off your order with code podcast 15 there's not much worse than a dry energy scalp also when you get your hair colored and then it does not last as long as you and your stylist discussed it could be that unfiltered mineral filled water is the culprit Hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin, and about 85% of the United States uses hard water, filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered shower head comes in. Canopy, known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, has revolutionized the filtered shower head. Dermatologists recommended this unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water. 
leaving you with healthy hair and glowing skin. Best of all, the Canopy Filtered Showerhead is hassle-free. Installation is a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement unlike any others on the market. Go to getcanopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy Filtered Showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, our listeners can use code Pantsuit at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. I don't hate the president, though, and I don't see him as less than human or other or garbage or trash or any of those things. I strongly disagree with him. I will be critical of him. It doesn't make me feel better to compare him to the other options, right? Mm. And it doesn't make me feel better to think of everything in terms of relative superiority. And I think that our tendency to do that, well, he's better than the alternative. I don't believe that that's true, but I understand that some people do. I don't want to have that fight, though, because it doesn't change where we are today. And I think it is possible to sit here and be very critical of him, very hard on him, to say, I think maybe he's doing the best he can. And to me, it's not good enough Mm -hmm. without saying he's a terrible human being who I despise. That's just not where I want to be on it for me, because it does no good in the world for me to say that. And it just makes me feel awful to say it. It's not living out my values. And so that's hard. Like, this is all hard. And this is not the way we talk on social media, right? Especially our our main forum for public discourse right now encourages us to talk about everything in our lives as though we're writing a Yelp review. Mm. And it's just not helpful. And it's not what I want to do here. And it's so affirming to me when we get a message like this from a listener who says, well, right, like, obviously, this is not how we do it. <laughs> like, this, these are universal truths yeah. that have been true and and will always be true. And so, duh. Like, yeah. I'm so happy when we hear from someone, like, this is not revolutionary. This is what this is what it means to be a person. And what I also loved that I wanted to say before we wrap up, she also had the most amazing observation about the Lord's Prayer. She says, I got into the conversation about the Lord's Prayer with my girls recently. While Christianity holds the idea of a powerful, unconditional grace, when we say the Lord's Prayer each week, we don't ask for that. Rather, we ask God to forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. We ask God to treat us as we treat others. It feels less like a prayer to God and more of a meditation to ourselves, a weekly reminder that we must live out and embody the grace we will ask to receive. That God's grace is unconditional, but the favor we ask of God depends on what we give to others. I think that's such a, I never thought about it that way, but that's such a great thing. I mean, it wouldn't be a spiritual exercise if it was be nice to everyone who's nice to you. (laughs) Like, that's not going to make you better. That's not hard. Like, it's hard to be nice to others. It's hard to give grace and say, Donald Trump is deserving of basic human dignity because he is a human being. Now, if tomorrow we find out that he is an alien in the realm of men in black, awesome. I will be first on the train to talk about him less than human. But for now, you know, under my current understanding, Donald Trump is a human being with a beating heart and I'm assuming a soul. So I got to just I got to work with what I got. And it's not easy and I don't like it and it's not fun. And in my not great moments, I do think I'd hate Donald Trump. But then I think, no, 
No, I don't. I don't know Donald Trump. I've never met him. I hate his policies. I hate what he's done to this country. But I'm not going to be part of the problem. I'm not going to just fall into the default of outrage and othering and, you know, my side isn't the problem. The other side is the problem. I just I can't I'm not going to do it. I want to do it. I'm not going to lie and say I don't and that I don't sometimes. But, you know, it's a constant return to our better selves as hard as that is to do. I just want to say as a person who loves to think about whether we are alone in the universe, I will be giving basic human dignity and grace to aliens. aliens as well. <laughs> Thank you so Good much point. for joining us for another episode of Fancy Politics. As I said on Tuesday, we will give you a factual overview of what's happening in the Mueller investigation and be talking about all the things that I am certain will unfold between now and then. If you want to check out our podcast, The Nuanced Life, we talked about HGTV this week, and we're looking forward to continuing that conversation with you. One, two, three. Keep, Keep it nuanced, y'all. Perfect. Thank you for listening. To support Pantsuit Politics, please visit patreon.com forward slash pantsuitpolitics or rate and review the podcast in the Apple Podcast Player. Thank you to our executive producers, Nicholas, Chad, Tracy, George, and Sabrina. You can find us on Twitter at Pantsuit Politics or Facebook and Instagram at Pantsuit Politics. Dante Lima is the composer and performer of our theme music. You can also hear his work and get more nuance by checking out our podcast on family, relationships, and values, The Nuanced Life.